Thank you so much, Lord, for this powerful, powerful ministry that you have given us to minister in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that prayers are answered, that before we, you, we call, you have already answered our prayers. Thank you so much, Father, for the trust that you placed in us to be your intercessors in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So everybody has heard the news about the release of the prisoners from North Korea. Amen. We thank God for that. Amen. Praise praise God. I, I believe that God has raised up our president to help with these things. I don't care about the political uh, business that goes on. Politics will always be politics. But I look at how God uses people, what he does through them, and their commitment to the things of God. And uh, I'm just very thankful that um, this president had promised some pastors, we know some of them personally, uh, that he uh, um, was was counseling with during his campaign to find out some of the needs of the church. And that's rare. You know, that's rare that somebody would sit down and really be concerned that everybody is treated fairly and, and treated right. And so I'm just so thankful that Christians, are our prayers are being answered. You know, it's up to God to answer them in the way that he wants to. But all we have to do is pray, and we can be thankful to God that he does answer. So I had some things, uh, um, uh, North Korea, I have a, uh, something to share about that. I also have a couple of things about some of the other countries that we're praying for, uh, for um, uh, people, especially in the Middle East and some areas um, about in Iraq and some places where we really need to focus our attention and our prayer. Um, hopefully everybody has their calendars. If everybody has their Voice of the Martyr calendar, uh, please pray for those needs on a daily basis because those people need prayer every day. And if we can continue to just uh, bring those things before the Lord regularly, uh, we'll see better results. So it's it's good for us to corporately pray here, and we're always going to do that. But also we do have daily prayers that we can focus on. So I'm going to uh, give you an update about... <coughs> North Korea. I'll share some things from the new Voice of the Martyr magazine and then we'll go through the prayer needs, things that we're going to be agreeing for uh, from their website, the things that they are, are asking us to pray for. It says here, North Korea agrees to open its doors to Christianity. Uh, how times can change. A few months ago, North Korea's dictator Kim Jong-un was firing missiles over Japan and threatening to send nuclear bombs in our direction. Now North Korea has agreed to open its doors to food, medicine, and the message of Christ. But last week, the young North Korean uh, leader dropped a different kind of surprise on the world. He met with the South Korean president, uh, Moon Jae-in, on uh, April 27th and announced that the 67-year-old Korean conflict is over. Amen. I came here to put an end to the history of confrontation, Kim Jong-un told Moon in a meeting on the border town of Panmunjom. There will be no more war on the Korean peninsula and a new age of peace has begun, the two leaders said in a joint statement. 
Charisma Magazine reports Kim Jong-un, who has built the fourth largest army in the world with 1.19 million soldiers, says he will now focus on rebuilding his country's shattered economy. Boom, just like that, swords were converted into plowshares. The two leaders, all smiles for the cameras, agreed they will denuclearize the Korean peninsula within a year. They also agreed to set up reunions with families that have been divided since the Korean War started in 1950. Now, we prayed for some of those people here that wanted to get back to South Korea to unite with relatives. Remember, some of them were split up and had to live in China because food runs out in North Korea. So they are going to allow people to be reunited. These these prayers are being answered, folks. I mean, really. Glory to God. Amen. It feels like we should declare a global holiday and dance in the street, but most Americans were too distracted by the opening of the new Avengers movie to pay attention to the headlines. What was behind the Korean surprise? Most media outlets didn't notice that Christians in South Korea had been fasting and praying for the peace summit. Pastors had held an all-night vigil in the city of Paju, south of the North Korean border, and a group of politicians. Well, that's what they know about. You know what I'm saying? It, it, in, and be careful with people who will give you a snap answer to why this is happening, because they have no idea how it happened we just know that god did it glory to god if people stay on their assignment to pray because uh, there are different groups of people who have prayed for this for over 60 years you know and, and some of those people are still alive in south korea some of them in china there's all kinds of effort by the body of christ to get involved in in these things. North Korea's persecuted Christians have also been praying for this moment for years. They have been horribly persecuted. They have been forced to meet secretly, routinely rounded up and sent to labor camps or just shot on sight because they did not worship Kim Jong-un as their god. Defectors say something began to change when Kim Jong-un became dictator in 2011. His cruel regime along with the misery of famine and economic ruin, caused people to become disillusioned with the phony utopia Kim claimed to rule over. You know, one of the things that we do know is there's been, there's been somewhat of revolt in his military people because there have been some um, soldiers that have defected, even been shot trying to get across the border because they have had it you know, with me, and, and usually the military in a dictatorship, the military gets the best of everything because they're right up there. They're very useful to them. So there's been some undercurrent of, of revolt among the people. In the past, the people were told to worship, worship the Kim family as their god, one defector told the Telegraph. That means they're looking for something else to sustain their faith. Life in North Korea has been unbearable under Kim Jong-un. About six million citizens are starving, and a third of North Korean children suffer from chronic malnutrition. It is said that the North Koreans are, on average, two inches shorter than the South Koreans because of starvation. Most people in North Korea do not have electricity. They certainly don't have the Internet or access to news from the outside world. 
North Korean democracy, quote unquote, is a farce. People vote in elections where only one name is on the ballot. Those who cross out Kim's name are rounded up in jail. Even certain hairstyles are restricted. Meanwhile, if someone is convicted of crime, he does not go to jail alone. His children and grandchildren are also imprisoned. The U.S. State Department has learned that between 10 to 45 percent of all people imprisoned in North Koreans are Christians who are in jail because of their faith. Yet in the midst of this oppression, God has been working. Some defectors have reported that North Korean officials are worried that Christianity will defeat will defeat Juche, the state's far-sponsored worship of Kim and his ancestors. That fear is based on statistics. One report released by the U.S. State Department says the Christian population in North Korea has multiplied five times from 2012 to 2017. There may even be more than 400,000 Christians there now. When I heard the news last week about the Korean miracle, after I pinched myself to see it was a dream, I turned to Psalm 46. It says, come see the works of the Lord. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts off the spear. He burns the chariot in fire. God has worked this miracle. Amen. It is not the work of any politician. He has heard the prayers of his people on both sides of the conflict and the prayers of the faithful around the world who felt North Korea's pain. He will engineer a lasting peace in this part of the world and open the doors wide for the gospel to flourish in a thirsty land. Before long, the churches of South Korea will freely send teams to the north with food, medicine, and the message of Christ. Like a patient who has been in a coma, North Korea will awaken. The world will watch a national transformation. We who are witnessing the greatest display of God's sovereign power over nations since the Berlin Wall fell. Amen? All right, so that's a praise God. That's the good news from North Korea. So this month's Voice of the Martyrs focused on it uh, speaks a lot about the Kurdish population in Iraq and how many of them are turning to Christ. It says 17-year-old Nemrit devoured books. He was always looking for something new to read. But a, a few books in the Kurdish language, but few books in the Kurdish language were available in his dusty Iraqi town. One day he spotted something new in a local bookstore, a Kurdish translation of the Gospel of Luke. He wasn't sure what it was, but he was intrigued. When he asked about the book, he was disappointed to learn that the bookstore owner wouldn't part with it because it was his only copy. Determined to read the book, he made a deal with the owner to pay a lending fee so he could borrow the book and return it when he was he was done. He read until 4 a.m. the next morning. This was the beginning of loving Jesus, he said. Luke's gospel had planted a seed, but Nemrit still had much to learn. While he was particularly committed to Islam, while he wasn't particularly committed to Islam, Nemrit had been born into a Muslim family. Like many Kurds, he held that faith lightly, feeling more loyalty to family and tribe than religion. Zealous for an independent Kurdish homeland, Nemrit joined the Peshmerga forces. 
Yay! Remember them? <laughs> An armed group that protects the Kurdish region in Iraq. Nemud had watched his people go through a very tough time. The Kurds in Iraq were treated harshly by Saddam Hussein's regime throughout the 80s and into 1991. At the end of the Gulf War, protection from the U.S. helped the Kurds establish a semi-autonomous region in northern Iraq. Today, this area is often referred to as Iraqi Kurdistan. Although he had returned his rented Gospel of Luke as promised, Nemrut would never be the same after reading it. Even as a Peshmerga, as a Peshmerga soldier, he often brought up the subject of Jesus with anyone who would listen. Five years would pass before he'd see the book about Jesus again. In 1998, Nemrut had decided he should get serious about Islam if he was going to be a member of one of the biggest political parties in Kurdistan. He read through the Koran three times that year trying to be more devout, devout, but its teaching never seemed right to him. The Koran was teaching followers about hating others, killing others. I didn't like this, he said. Since he was known to be an avid reader, Nemrut was put in charge of his political party's bookstore. He purchased a New Testament as soon as he could and added it to the store's collection. He read the New Testament in less than a month, beginning in Matthew and taking notes as he read. When I, go to, when I got to Luke, I thought, this is my old friend Luke, he said. The book resonated with him in a way that the Koran never had. He noted 400, 345 times where the New Testament spoke about love. I never saw anything about killing others or hating other people, he added. Nemrut added he would devote his life to the New Testament teachings. He tried to apply its lessons to his life, but as a Muslim, he still had no idea that he could become a Christian himself. He didn't know a single Christian. Over the next three years, he read through the New Testament three more times. He also loaned the book to others after writing his personal instructions on the cover. His instructions read, read this carefully and intentionally. Keep it in purity and then return it to me. He told borrowers that since he had read it in a month, he would give them two months to complete the book and return it to him. In 2001, he finally met a Christian. A man who had come to his city to distribute Bibles and asked him a pointed question. He said, can anyone become a Christian? I have read the Bible. I know the Bible, but I don't know if I can become a Christian. See, he didn't get to the epistles. <laughs> Later, Nemrut realized he had become a Christian the moment he had put his faith in Jesus. He read about and begun to follow his teachings. Become, becoming an infidel. Nimrod continued to tell his friends about Jesus and many of them accepted Christ. When the group of believers meeting in his home each week grew to 20 people, a local mullah found out about them. The next Friday, he made an announcement to those attending the mosque. Some people became Christians in our town because of Nimrod, he said. Anyone who will drink with him will become an infidel. If you drink water from his house, you become an infidel. 
You shouldn't speak to them. You shouldn't greet them. And you should cut off relations with them because they became infidels. Then the persecution of believers started, Nimrod said. The Muslims started to beat their sons and daughters who became Christians. Nimrod's relatives stopped speaking to him, and when they saw him in the street, they cursed him. His own sister built a fence between their adjoining properties, so Nimrod and his wife no longer had access to a bathroom they shared. His wife was afraid. When this started, she wasn't fully believing in the Lord, he said. During this time, she was crying because of all the problems that happened. For me, it was clear that when I made this decision, for sure, I was going to face problems. Angry Muslims tried to attack Nimrod several times. One Friday after morning prayers, police stopped a mob of, a mob of about 200 men who were heading toward his house. When the head of security told Nimrod about the thwarted attack, he warned him that the next time he wouldn't be able to stop the attackers. Why won't you stop spreading the Bible and speaking to people, he said. Some members of Nimrod's group were beaten by family members at home, causing injuries that still trouble them today, and others returned to Islam because of the pressure. Still, Nimrod sees how God used the persecution to strengthen believers. The persecution that happened to the brothers and to us made the believers here more faithful to have more faith in the Lord, he said. Nimrod felt the Kurdish political party left the Kurdish political party in 2001 after openly embracing Christ. He didn't feel like he could remain in the party as a Christian. Since leaving the party cost him his job, he scraped by as a freelance trader carrying goods in and out of a city on the Iran-Iraq border. Though it was a steep a step down in jobs for him, it ultimately led Nem- to Nimrod's next endeavor. There were three types of items the government of Iran didn't want coming into their country, weapons, drugs, and Bibles. Nimrod never intended to stop tra- start trafficking in illegal goods, but the Bible has so dramatically changed his life that he wanted to share it with others. He bought all 35 Farsi Bibles available at the Bible Society and boldly wrote his name and phone number inside each book before sending them to Iran. When people who had received the Bibles contacted him with questions, Nimrod invited them to meet him in the border city where he lived. He taught them as much as he could about Jesus, preparing them to go back to Iran and share the gospel. Those he taught would often return, bringing others to learn about Jesus. My house became a center for Kurdish people from this city and Kurdish people from Iran, he said. Because he'd been persecuted himself, he knew what the new believers might face. He told them they might be beaten if they followed Jesus, but it would be no more than Jesus Christ experienced himself. In addition to his Bible work, Nemrit also led the small church in his hometown. In 2010, he planted another church in a neighboring city. Others soon became interested in supporting Nemrit's work and providing more Farsi Bibles. Over 10 years, Nemrit sent about 310 copies of the Bible into Iran until Iranian government surveillance forced him to stop in 2015. Isn't that amazing? 310,000 copies of the Bible? When the, when the self-proclaimed Islamic State, 
ISIS invaded nearby Mosul in 2014, the region of Kurdistan became more dangerous and Christians in Nemrut's village faced new difficulties. Strangers often appeared in his yard threatening the family and he received personal threats on a weekly basis. Nimrod and his wife were deeply troubled. After praying about it for a while, his wife told him they needed to leave Kurdistan. You cannot force them to accept Jesus, she told her husband. Nimrod agreed, but they kept on praying and by morning realized they were wrong. They needed to stay. Soon after they made the decision to stay in Kurdistan, a Kurdish church in Erbil called and asked if Nemrit would take over as pastor because the current pastor had chosen to leave the country. Though it would be a challenge, Nemrit sensed the Lord's leading and agreed to pastor the church. The move would also allow his family to live in a safer place out of the spotlight of their village. Nemrit pastored the church for about three years, working hard to develop believers who would one day lead the church themselves. When the time came for uh, Nemrit to move on again, mature believers were able to take over. Today, the Kurdish church in Erbil meets for worship every Friday, Bible teaching on Saturday, and prayer every Monday. Every other Friday, Kurdish churches from the surrounding areas join them for worship. Life is not easy for Kurdish believers. While many Muslim Kurds continue to turn to Christ, the uncertain political situation and lack of jobs have prompted many longtime church members to leave the country. The local government is unsure of how much freedom to give evangelicals who are viewed as outsiders who don't conform to traditional religious ideas. Though challenges remain, Nimrod's vision to reach the Kurdish people remains intact, and he will continue to share the story of Jesus that he first read about in, in the, uh, the book by his old friend Luke. Amen? All right, so praise God. So it's good. He's, this is kind of, he's had a long history with God and sharing the gospel, had ups and downs, all of those things, but uh, he's able to continue uh, in what he's doing. I'm going to read this one. It says, A New Song for God's People. It's about the Kurds again. At first glance, no one would guess that the joyful man strumming the pear-shaped stringed instrument had once been a radical Islamist and Kurdish nationalist, born in Turkey, armed as a proud Kurd who wanted recognition for his people, and he was an active member of a leftist political party. By his own account, he was rude and abrasive, and many people avoided him. But then a Christian neighbor started talking to him about Jesus. As the neighbor persisted, Ahmed read the Bible and eventually placed his faith in Jesus Christ. He was immediately changed, and his family responded just as suddenly. His wife left him, and his conservative Muslim family gave him one year to change his mind. Even if I wanted to give up Christianity, I could not because I knew deep within my heart that there was no other way of being saved apart from the cross of Jesus, he said. Over the next year, Ahmed grew in faith but remained an outcast to his family. Then toward the end of the year, he was thrilled to receive an invitation to join them for the most important Muslim holiday, the Feast of the Sacrifice. Ahmed arrived at the family home full of hope for reconciliation. I was praising the Lord for that opportunity and thinking we would have peace among us, he said. 
Do you know this will be the best feast celebration ever, his mother said as she met him at the door. Good news, Ahmed replied. I came for this, thank you. But it's not what you are thinking, she continued. The sacrifice is not a lamb, it's you. Realizing the invitation was a trap, Ahmed felt hot and began to tremble. I was so nervous, I could just pray a one-sentence prayer, he said. After four people pulled him inside with all his closest relatives, Ahmed's brother-in-law held a handgun to his head. Even your God cannot save you from my hands today, he said. Just bow down, fall on your knees, and I'll give you one last chance. If you repent and come back to Islam, you can be saved. Ahmed closed his eyes, believing he was about to be killed. But suddenly his tongue was loosed and he was no longer afraid. As Ahmed stood up, his brother-in-law cocked the gun. Then Ahmed boldly turned to him, shook his finger in his face, and said, If my God does not put... If my God does not put my life in your hands, you cannot even get one hair off my head, he said. The gun fell from his brother-in-law's hand and everyone in the room seemed paralyzed. Ahmed walked out of the room, past those standing in the hallway, walked out the front door and pressed the button for the elevator. Inside the apartment, his mother shouted, he's leaving and you could not get him. You, you are setting him free. After walking away from his family that day, Ahmed went into hiding and left the city. Because of the ordeal his family had put him through, he couldn't imagine returning to share the gospel with other Kurds. But after about 10 years, his burden for the largely unreached Kurdish people returned. Despite the risk, Ahmed moved back to the Kurdish-majority city where his family lived and started ministering to them. Today, he's involved in a variety of ministry outreaches. He helps with a correspondence course that teaches Kurds the basics of the gospel in a way that ensures their privacy. He also leads his own congregation, and he organized an alliance of Kurdish churches that work together to produce material for Kurdish Christians. The group carefully reviews materials to ensure theologically theological integrity and prevent wrong teaching. One of the most important gifts he has brought to Kurdish believers, however, is a worship music in their native language. Previously, there were no Kurdish worship songs, and Ahmed realized the Kurdish Christians needed to praise God in their own language. He therefore began to write his own worship songs and eventually recorded an entire album for the use of Kurdish congregations everywhere. As the conflicts in Syria and Iraq brought more Kurds into Ahmed's city, he and his Kurdish congregation began ministering to them. Among the Kurdish refugees, we now have about 4,000 to 5,000 new believers just in a period of one and a half years, he said. The Lord is doing amazing things among the Kurds. Ahmed is currently recording a second album of Kurdish worship songs to further strengthen the church. As a young Kurdish nationalist, Ahmed hoped for a new country the Kurds would call home. But since being transformed in Christ, he hopes for something greater, a unified body of Kurdish believers worshiping together for the glory of God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So we continue to pray for those Kurds and especially for the Peshmerga forces because they fought 
uh, tirelessly, amen, against ISIS and every other uh, threat that comes into that nation. So there are a lot of displaced Christians uh, in the Middle East, and so we want to pray for them to be returned to their homes. Um, I have the prayer requests for uh, uh, from them for the month. I'll just read those off, and then we'll pray our prayer. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. It's good to know what's going on in the world and understand that, amen, we're very, very blessed. Amen. Amen. God has taken care of us and protected us uh, because, you know, you look at the similarities of how people are persecuted. This nation is no different. You know, they want to tell us we can't say certain things. You know, if they're if it doesn't pass their politically correct test, uh, then we're not allowed to say things. We're not allowed to preach against homosexuality. We're not allowed to pray against certain things. But uh, our God gives us the boldness and the confidence to continue even in the face of this wickedness and persecution. So uh, always remember that we're in the same family with them. You know, we have our problems too and don't ever get lax and think it won't happen here. Because if the devil can do it there, he'll do it anywhere. So, amen. So we keep praying, keep thanking God for setting people free. So the prayer requests are, um, um, uh, this is a pastor that was serving one of India's minority tribal groups. He was murdered last week by suspected Maoists. On the evening of May 2nd, about 25 masked men abducted Pastor uh, uh, Abraham Tropno from a taxi he was riding in. The pastor's beheaded body was found hours later with a note signed by a communist rebel group operating in the nearby state. So we need to pray for the people in that region in, Air, uh, in India. Uh, pastor, pray for Pastor David under threat in Zanzibar. Less than 18 months ago, a group of local Muslims tried to burn down Pastor David's house in broad daylight while only he, his wife and his children were at home. The attackers, oh, while only his wife and children were at home, the attackers doused the back of the house with gasoline before tossing a match through the window. Thankfully, David's family escaped unharmed, but the home and everything inside were destroyed. Uh, Christian towns destroyed by local Muslims. About 60,000 Christians in southeastern Central Asia, uh, African Republic, Kar, have been forced to flee their towns after a series of attacks by local Muslims. Several months after a joint U.S. and Ugandan forces pulled out of the region last year, area Muslims launched a campaign to drive Christians out by burning Christian-majority-owned towns and villages. On November 20th, villagers in Dembia were awakened by gunfire at 4 a.m. as local Muslims attacked without warning. Uh, local Muslims angered by literature distribution to children. When a Christian group distributed liter- literature to children in a Bangladeshi village, Muslims blamed a local church. After receiving complaints about Muslim children being evangelized, police said Christians were allowed to talk about their faith only with other adults and that no one under 20 is allowed to convert to another religion. 
uh, Haddad, a former Muslim, placed his faith in Christ recently after an elderly woman prayed for him at a bus station. His search for truth began with the woman's simple prayer that God would guide him to salvation. He first, oh, this is in Turkey. He first abandoned Islamic fanaticism and thoughts of terrorism after listening to apologetic programs on the Arab Christian television station Al Hayat. So that's in Turkey. All right, in China, uh, Christians in Henan monitored by government officials. Such in China. A Christian of the Zuku area in Henan province said that under new government restrictions, area churches are required to sing the Chinese, Chinese national anthem at the beginning of each service and a nationalistic song titled No Communist Party, No New China at the end of the service. Local authorities also issued orders forbidding anyone under 18 from entering a church. So that's the Chinese persecution. In Laos, a young Christian couple and their toddler son have chosen to stay in their animist village even though persecution has caused many other villagers to abandon the Christian faith they once professed. After authorities destroyed the couple's home in an attempt to drive them out, they instead gathered the remains of the dismantled home and built a small hut. So they were restored, but that's in Laos. Remember, we prayed for them a lot with the uh, Between Two Tigers testimonies. In Turkey, a trial for American pastor Andrew Brunson further delayed. Following his long-awaited court hearing on April 16th, Andrew Brunson was ordered to another prison, and the remainder of his trial was postponed until May 7th. Andrew was arrested on October 7, 2016 on terrorism and espionage charges, and he faces up to 35 years in prison if convicted. In Pakistan, on April 17th, four Islamic militants on motorcycles rode into a predominantly Christian neighborhood and shot two young Christian men. Uh, one of them died at the scene, and the other one died in a local hospital. So that's Pakistan and India. A family in India is mourning the death of their 65-year-old wife and mother. She used to climb the stairs of her home every evening and kneel to pray for her city. Stone workers in a nearby Hindu temple observed her prayers. One of the workers took offense and attacked the elderly woman to death with a stick on March 21st. In China, pray for Christians in China as the government continues further restrictions on their activity. In February, churches were ordered to report their religious activities to authorities. In March, the Communist Party disbanded its Religious Affairs Bureau and the Communist Party Central Committee absorbed the duty of managing religious life in China. And in Egypt. A young Christian widow's family tried to force her to get remarried to a Muslim, but instead she chose Jesus. During her first marriage, Muna and her husband secretly converted from Islam. Muna's husband died when their daughter was eight years old. Her family quickly insisted she remarry. They gave her a choice between between two Muslim men. So we're going to pray for all of these needs and make sure that uh, we are believing God to free people up. Amen. This is a time of freedom for all believers to worship 
the God who has saved them. Amen. And without anybody uh, um, hindering them and worship freely and know that God wants them free and wants them uh, to serve him without fear, uh, serve him with uh, um, an understanding that they are protected and they are loved by God. So if there's one thing we want to do is allow God to minister truth to these people, that you are not under the dominion of man or under the dominion of any government, but you are free to worship God. Amen. Well, Father in heaven, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you. Lord, forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for helping us and protecting us, causing us to prosper and flourish in every way. We thank you, Father, for a divine protection. We thank you, Lord, that you love each and every one of your children who are called by your name. Father, we thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for empowering believers, empowering everyone that that calls upon your name, changing them, Father, making them bold as lions and harmless as doves. We thank you, Lord, for blessing them with a knowledge that they have angels to protect them as they declare hallelujah to the skies and into the heavens, Father, that that hallelujah brings down the force of spiritual protection for them. Father, it puts a guard around them. It puts a wall of protection around them. So we thank you for that, Father. Thank you for the heavenly host that guards all believers, Father, that protects us from all harm, that will shut the mouths of lions, Father, that will cause the tongues of wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of their mouths, that will paralyze people that want to take the lives of Christians. So we thank you, Lord, for divine help and divine empowerment. We bind you destruction, retaliation, and death. We plead the blood of Jesus. We dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, we thank you for uh, for uh, satisfying us with long life. We pray the blessing of Moses that our eyes would not be dim, nor our natural strength abated. Not a hair of our heads will fall to the ground in Jesus' name. No weapon that's formed against us will accomplish what it sets out to do. We are blessed coming in and going out. We have strength for coming in and going out and strength to war. We have power over serpents and scorpions. If we eat any deadly thing, it will not hurt us. If the enemy comes at us one way, he must flee seven. One of us can chase a thousand. Two of us can put ten thousand to flight. Thank you, Lord. Your glory goes before us, and it is our rear guard. Every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we will condemn. Others trust in the arm of flesh, but we trust in the living God. Your mercy hovers over us. And quietness and confidence shall be our strength. Lord, you're our sun, our shield, our banner, our healer, our peace, and our great reward. Your name is a strong tower. We run in and we are safe. By your stripes we were healed. We are redeemed from the penalty and curse for our sins. None of the diseases that you put on the Egyptians will be put on us because you send your word and you heal us. And we walk in the spirit, not the flesh. We're not condemned, but we walk in joy and we walk in strength. And we pray this confession against persecution. We submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. Satan, I command you to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you. 
so why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Behold their threatening, Lord. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. We declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let the ungodly fall by their own counsel. Lord, you will judge the people. Judge us, O Lord, according to our integrity that's in us. Let the mischief, <coughs> mischief of all spiritual forces who persecute us return upon their own heads. Keep us as the apple of the eye and hide us under the shadow of thy wings. Thank you for teaching my hands to war so the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against us and cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against me without a cause and who hate me. Lord, we know that's nothing with you to help. Help us, O Lord our God. Save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one, and therefore my persecutors shall stumble. They shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen and amen and amen again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I smell victory in other places. Amen. When one devil comes down, they all got to tumble. So, praise God. Praise God. So thankful to believers who continue to pray. You know, just stay on their watch. Do what they're called to do and do it without ceasing. Do it without... Um, uh, stopping and I thank you all for standing with what God is doing here you know it's very very important that we continue to do what we know is the right thing to do so I personally thank you for being faithful to what God has called us to do because this is a good season to be a Christian amen you get to see the fruits of your labors and, and it's never in vain when it's in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Miss J-Lo want to put some music on and we'll uh, pray for those who need prayer. I just need some true worshipers to stand to your feet right here. Come on. Oh, dear Baba. Oh, dear Baba. 